Hysteria is brought to you by Books. This Mother's Day, give mom her flowers. She deserves the best. That's why you should send her farm fresh flowers from Books. That's short for bouquets. And right now, you can get 25% off your entire Books purchase. Here's why everyone likes the Books company. Books is different. Their flowers are cut fresh and sourced directly from the best flower farms, so they last way longer. They even have flowers grown on the side of a volcano, which I love. Books has modern designs and unique flowers you can't find anywhere else. Books is simple. Go online, pick the delivery date, and you are done. Mother's Day is May 12th. Don't miss the chance to thank your mom. Order your books now. And with 20% off, you can send some to mom, wife, aunt, and even grandma. Erin, I love my books. I love a flower that lasts forever, and my books arrangements really do last a full solid week. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I have uh, I have some sitting on my kitchen table right now, mm-hmm. and they've been there for several days. And usually when I buy them at, like, the grocery store, they're sort of, like, starting to crap Fade. out pretty quickly. Yep. Not with books. They stick around. They look beautiful. I like how they kind of slowly open up and become even more beautiful as they sit on your, you know, wherever Absolutely, you Absolutely, because they're that fresh. So go to books.com and use promo code hysteria for 25% off. That's B-O-U-Q-S dot com, promo code hysteria. Books, promo code hysteria. Hello and welcome to Hysteria. I'm Erin Ryan. And I'm Alyssa Mastromonaco. Alyssa, less than a week left to vote. Let's start with some piping hot spite to get us to the finish line. Okay. Whose vote are you going to cancel out with yours? Whose vote am I going to cancel out? You know whose vote I'm going to cancel out? The person who tailgated me the other day and screamed out the window, cry liberal tears. That person. Oh, God. Yeah. Cancel the fuck out of that vote. Yeah. Canceled. What about you? I'm personally canceling out Rick Caruso's vote. Oh, that feels good. Yeah, that's my personal mission. That's who I'm going to picture uh, when I go vote. I'm canceling out Rick Caruso specifically um, by voting for Karen Bass for mayor of LA. This week, we're joined by Amanda Nguyen and Megan Gailey to tackle the following questions. What's next for affirmative action? Can we ever forgive the COVIDiots? Why do the people who say they love the flag the most seem to have the least idea how to treat the flag? All this and more right now. All right, Alyssa, let's get to the most important story in the news. I have been awake since about two in the morning. Some bullshit right there. It sucks. I'm really running on fumes right now. I cannot wait until we're done doing this so I can take a nap. Let me be your feet. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> are you it was then that I carried you me yeah totally come on you're like the one set of footprints on the but I recognize that you they're your footprints because they are clogs like there is one set of clog footprints on the beach little Barney rubble feet <laughs> just right beside you well I'm very lucky to have you at my side per usual but especially today because I'm not <laughs> doing Great, but let's start the real news with some encouraging sound. And so what I'm worried about is that the rule that you're advocating, um, that in the context of a holistic review process, a university can take into account and value all of the other background and personal characteristics of other applicants, but they can't value race. What I'm worried about is that that seems to me to have the potential of causing 
more of an equal protection problem than it's actually solving. And the reason why I get to that possible conclusion is thinking about two applicants who would like to have their family backgrounds credited in this applications process, and I'm hoping to get your reaction to this hypothetical. The first applicant says, I'm from North Carolina. My family has been in this area for generations since before the Civil War, and I would like uh, you to know that I will be the fifth generation to graduate from the University of North Carolina. I now have that opportunity to, to do that, and given my family background, it's important to me that I get to attend this university. I want to honor my family's legacy by going to this school. The second applicant says, I'm from North Carolina. My family's been in this area for generations since before the Civil War, but they were slaves and never had a chance to attend this venerable institution. As an African-American, I now have that opportunity, and given my family, family background, it's important to me to attend this university. I want to honor my family legacy by going to this school. Now, as I understand your no-race conscious admissions rule, these two applicants would have a dramatically different opportunity to tell their family stories and to have them count. The first applicant would be able to have his family background considered and valued by the institution as part of its consideration of whether or not to admit him, while the second one wouldn't be able to because his story is in many ways bound up with his race and with the race of his ancestors. So I want to know, based on how your rule would likely play out in scenarios like that, why excluding consideration of race in a situation in which the person is not saying that his race is something that has uh, impacted him in a negative way. He just wants to have it honored, just like the other person has their personal background family story honored. Why is telling him no not an equal protection violation? You just heard Supreme Court Justice Katanji Brown-Jackson asking some questions, talking during a case before the Supreme Court that could make affirmative action in college admissions illegal. So on one hand, it's great to have you on the court, Justice Jackson. Love listening to her. She's great. But on the other, uh, this is not a great, not a great Yikes. moment in American history. And she does raise an interesting point. You know what? Hmm. I think people who are descended from slave owners just straight up shouldn't be allowed to go to college. I mean, well, they shouldn't be able to use it as bragging rights. That's for damn sure. <laughs> nope. No college. I'm going to take the extreme position. <laughs> you're a hardliner, Aaron. You're a hardliner. If your great, 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 great grandparents were like plantation owners, like Leonardo DiCaprio's character in Django Unchained, your descendants are not allowed to go to college. That's fine. You know, fine. Fine. Doesn't yep. affect me. <laughs> no. Doesn't affect me either. I think we were more, what's the line from 30 Rock that Jack uses to just like, we were more like, you know, cleaning farming people. Cleaning farming people. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Anyway, let's get to the, what this case is about to do. I'm sure on strict scrutiny, they're, they're talking about this in depth. Yes. So if you want some really smart legal analysis by some really smart legal brains, definitely check out strict scrutiny. But we're going to give you a quick rundown on what the case is about and what's probably going to happen. So on October 31st, there were about five hours of oral argument. What? Okay, real quick. Talk and talk and talk and talk and talk. So many hours of oral argument, right? What's going to happen when we start getting millennial Supreme Court justices who like 
have to go five hours without looking at their phones? Like, are they going to have to? I don't know. They're going to need phone breaks. Maybe they're each. They're going to be able to Twitch stream each of their like. You're using words I don't know. Oh, okay. Well, (laughs) (laughs) this is the generational divide. (laughs) So five hours of oral argument on Halloween. There were challenges to Harvard University and the University of North Carolina's policy to consider race as a factor in their respective admission processes. Uh, As this ruling will probably come down next spring, you know, right now it looks like there is a comfortable majority to overturn 44 years of precedent and make it so that race can no longer be considered a factor in college admissions. What do you make of this, Alyssa? Well, you know, Aaron, you know, it's, it's funny. One, I listened to as much of the oral arguments as I could. If you look back to 1978, when the first case was decided, I mean, affirmative action has been upheld every time by one vote. So it's not it's not shocking that we're in this place now. Um, I think what is shocking, and I think it was Justice Kagan who first made the point, but then uh, Sonia Sotomayor and Justice Tanji Brown-Jackson also piled on, that for a court full of conservative originalists, they're kind of completely ignoring the 14th Amendment and like how this would impact equal protection. And I think it was Dahlia Lithwick who had written that basically if you take the sum total of the framing of the conservative justices, it basically be, could be described as like looking at Brown versus Board of Education and saying that it was correctly decided, not because it gave protections to Black children to obtain a good education and equal education, but because it freed both Black and white children from racial classifications. Like, mm. I don't know what they are. I just think it's fucking hypocritical. You know what I mean? Like, I, it's just, it's fucking hypocritical. You are an originalist when you want to be, and you are a petty bitch, as Alito and Thomas and Gorsuch, some of their quotes, Aaron, blew my mind. Oh, can I read you one of Thomas's real quick? Please, I have a couple, and you, I see we have Sep. I knew that we would both hone in on the very pettiness right. uh, that is afforded to us. So please right. go, well, go ahead with Thomas. First of all, the geniuses who designed our country just decided that putting a herd of dorky turtles in charge <laughs> of the legal system and having no checks for them was a great call. Uh, I'm starting to think that a bunch of you know, 18 to 30-year-old tax dodgers uh, might not have designed the most foolproof system of government. Like, it had a good run. Sounds about right. It had a good run, but we're kind of, like, getting to the point in the Monopoly game when one person owns, like, all of the fancy properties and everyone is like, can we just, can we stop fucking playing this game and the only person who likes to play it? Yeah, keep Park Place. Let me get back to my it's life. It's like, I'm tired of playing Monopoly and then you're like, that's the moment when you realize your friend that owns all the property but is like, no, keep playing, is a sociopath and you're like, oh. <laughs> okay, so back to what Justice Tom, I told you I was loopy today, Alyssa. Yeah, but we're doing it. We're doing it. We're getting it done. Sure. His first question for UNC's lawyer, Ryan Park, was, I've heard the word diversity quite a few times, and I don't have a clue what it means. It seems to mean everything for everyone. What? That's like a Ron Burgundy-style quote. Well, you know what? Not even Ron Burgundy would go on to say that Jim Crow and affirmative action are somewhat indistinguishable. (laughs) 
Okay, it's extremely rich coming from the person who was appointed after a search for a black conservative justice after Thurgood Marshall left the court. Yeah. Like, he was picked by the original George Bush. Yep. Specifically because he was the black Republican. He was, like, woefully underqualified. He, honestly, look. Is he the Herschel Walker of the Supreme Court? He's the Herschel Walker of the Supreme Court. Justice Clarence Thomas, I think that he thinks affirmative action is bad because he realizes deep down that he is the worst Supreme Court justice. Ever. And the reason that he has his job is because conservatives wanted somebody like him to do their bidding. Yeah. And it's gross, to be frank. Amy Coney Barrett, same thing, was picked for the Supreme Court because she's a woman. After Ruth Bader Ginsburg died, I think that uh, that that the former president thought that it would be a great way to own the libs. Oh, totally! By appointing Ruth Bader Ginsburg's ideological female opposite to replace her. Um, but yeah, I would love to hear you talk a little bit more about some good quotes because I wanted to get into like our our girl Kagan. Oh no! The only other one I heard that I really just felt a need to flag here was Justice Alito. Who wouldn't know? He's, he's Italian. Like, the original framers of the Constitution would be, like, Italian. Yeah, yeah. And Catholic. Shut up, Alito. But apparently, he threw some bomb where he said that, uh, you know, we have to protect against things like Elizabeth Warren using, quote-unquote, family lore to say that she is of Native American heritage. Like, you're a Supreme Court justice. You're trying to maintain that the court is somewhat legitimate. And you fucking throw a bomb at EW, like, you're so petty bitch. Petty bitch. What a weird, like, how do you have time to watch Fox News, sir? You have, like, are you a shit poster? Like, like, what is that? I want to know what Alito's online activity is like, because I wouldn't be, yeah, he's he, he probably has a 4chan account. Anyway, <laughs> Justice Kagan brought something up during the oral arguments that I thought was really interesting. And she pointed out that right now, statistically, girls, when they graduate from high school, are much more qualified for college than boys. And the gap is growing. Nothing is being done to make our education system better serve boys. Nothing. And so as that gap grows, actually women who were the beneficiaries, specifically white women, who were historically the major beneficiaries of affirmative action, will continue to run away with the game because boys are not as qualified for college as a population as girls. And so schools are going to have like super lopsided gender balances. Yeah. And like that's, I mean, honestly, I I don't know why that's, college isn't for everybody. And I think that trying to pretend like it is, isn't great. But I also think that like the environment of school suffers the more homogenized the population is. Yeah, totally. Although I can say if colleges kind of like became de facto all women's institutions, I think they would probably be better. Well, you know that we'd have all men's schools. They'd be like, we need our own place. Yeah. Oh, God. Can't have all you women around all the time. All men's schools. The world is already a man cave. So like, whatever. It's a giant man cave. Um, But you know, another thing that I wanted to bring up is that the audacity of 
white conservative men to believe that if only affirmative action were eliminated, they would be the ones to come on top. Totally. I think they believe deep down inside that they have been robbed of things because somebody who is a non-white, non-man was given it. You know, that there are men that if everything else is equal and all we consider are just like the raw qualifications, the people that will come up on top are the people that'll look, that look just like them. It's, you know, Aaron, it's like I would just love to be a fly on the wall when Brett Kavanaugh's talking to Squee, being like, I got fucking screwed in this world. (laughs) I mean, I'm curious if very many conservatives understand, first of all, white people are not the best students. They're not at all. There are colleges in California where the balance is like Asian American students are just like kicking everybody's ass. And as a result, schools in California have tried to figure out ways to encourage other ethnic groups to go to their schools to increase the diversity. I think the fact that these conservatives believe that what will happen is now things will go back to how they looked in like the 19... 50s. It's just, it's foolish. Also, like, let's get rid of legacy admissions forever. Yeah, fine. At every school. And also, because like, I don't know, who would you rather go to college with? A student who grew up in a disadvantaged district from a background that is not white, who maybe didn't have access to all of the resources to uh, do test prep or to have somebody on them from eighth grade being like, we got to get you ready to apply to Yale, get you ready to apply to Yale, but nevertheless worked really hard, did the best they could given their circumstances and have all of the makings of somebody who in every environment that they are in, they will figure out a way to not only survive, but excel. Would you rather go to college with that person Mm -hmm. or Jared Kushner? Oh, please. Like the problem is, this is another, whatever, I'm, I'm like going off the rails here, but this is another issue that I think conservatives have successfully made into one of white people versus everyone else when really everybody else should just be mad at rich people. Like we could be uniting and being like, wait a minute, get rid of legacy admissions. Yeah. Instead of like getting mad at like, the low-income person who learned English as a second language who um, had slightly lower grades but got into your dream school when you didn't. That's exactly right. Anyway, okay. All right, let's talk a little bit. Oh, God, this Pelosi attack. Fucking terrible. It was... So where are you with this right now? In what way? Have you been following the story? Have you been able to, like, keep up on Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, believe me. I, I, well, because one, like, of course, following the story. Two, Caroline, our producer, brought this up, and it has rocked me ever since. Why is everyone going live from outside of their house? Do we need to broadcast more where they live? I mean, it just seems, like, yeah. utterly unnecessary. But it really did, like... I think the story was just so crazy when you first heard about it. You're like, wait a minute. How is this possible? Doesn't she have Capitol Police at her house? Like, no, no. Well, not in San Francisco. No, not in San Francisco. But it is it is just an incredible, the whole thing is tragic, but also just this crazy, almost unbelievable story from Paul Pelosi, like, going into the bathroom where his phone was plugged in to call 911 and leave it. Let me tell you something. It is a real just eyeballs at young people who are like old people. 
Let me, I don't know that I would have had the presence of mind to go and fucking put 911 on speakerphone and be like, come find me basically. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and I think the thing that is the most, this is a terrible fucking violent, brutal attack. And mm-hmm. I think the thing that is the absolute most disgusting and Aaron, to confirm my beliefs last night, I watched that OAN network because I was Why like- Why did you do that? Because I wanted to see what they were saying. And you know what? In no world, I could not imagine somebody hurting Mitch McConnell's family and any Democrat getting on TV being like, well, you know, like, and making jokes about it. Like, Carrie Lake is a repugnant human being, but, like, also kind of a scared little bitch because when she stood on stage and made jokes about the Pelosi's not having good enough security or when Glenn Youngkin is like, oh, yeah, let's send Nancy back to be with Paul in California. And he meant it in a very not nice way. I I just, um, I just think that they should at least own what they said. Because then when Carrie Lake was called on it, she's like, I didn't say that. It was taken out of context. Own your fucking shittiness, you bitch. Like, just Mm. own your shittiness. That it is what you said. Some tons of people played the whole quote. But in general, I think it's like pretty scary. And I think that if you're someone who has is open about your political beliefs and you're not part of the MAGA community, I think it's just a kind of a reminder that there's like danger around the corner. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it's funny. There's not a lot of, um, I think people like Ted Cruz were sharing misinformation, disinformation about totally. the nature of the attack before we even knew anything. And these are the same people who were beyond pissed that people were standing on a public sidewalk outside of Justice Kavanaugh's house after Dobbs came down. And it's, I mean, like being like, you guys are hypocrites. It doesn't matter because nobody's going to punish them for it. Right. Um, But I think it's important for us to just clock the hypocrisy just so that we can, like, we're not going nuts, are we? Like, we, no, you caught that. I caught that. These people are complete craven hypocrites and they make no sense and they have no plan. And um, yeah, that's kind of the through line for news today. Conservative hypocrisy. Yeah, exactly. But the thing is, nobody, nobody who wants to vote for them really cares. And the people who don't want to vote for them are so turned off by the just constant threat level orange of the news cycle that I think that they tune things out when really it's like, dude, like, the frog is almost boiled here, you know, yeah. and it's upsetting. I actually deleted Twitter from my phone. I mean, I've gone back and forth with it, but like this weekend, you know, when the sale was closed with Mr. Musk, I was like, you know what? Would I'm going to try not having it on my phone and see if my life is better. It's been great. That is awesome. I try to not open it because... I should just delete it from my phone because I actually, I don't have it on my computer. I don't have any social media on my computer because I'm like, when I'm on my computer, I should really do work. Mm -hmm. Um, That's smart. But I mean, an Elon Musk retweeting 112 million followers he has retweeting some fucking bullshit, fake news, false story. Um, Yeah. So glad he's the head of the public town square. Yeah, my thoughts on this are like, he's really tanking it more quickly than anybody thought. But the other side of that is, I think that Twitter in some cases, I mean, when I was like working in a newsroom, it was a really helpful way to just kind of like take the temperature when news was breaking, especially there are some really, really good, reliable people on Twitter uh, at, at just like disseminating information and catching up on on what's going on. Um, but 
I also think that it has bred a sort of complacency in newsrooms, not individual reporters in newsrooms themselves, um, and not my newsroom, but I've just noticed it. Obviously. Um, where people, um, people are less likely to go out into the world and touch grass and like talk to real people and like do the type of old fashioned reporting. Um, and that's because it takes a lot of time and resources to do that. Um, and I think Twitter really contributed to the take machine. Mm-hmm. And uh, to see the take machine's engine shut down would actually probably be better for news and commentary in the long run. But we do need some kind of social media where it's possible for people who are verified individuals are able to communicate with the public. I I think, and and Facebook is kind of over. Instagram is like the algorithm makes it all weird. So whatever that app is might be TBD. It's not Be Real, I'll tell you that. I don't even know what that is. Oh, well, I'll, I'll tell you more about it after this recording. Thanks so much. <laughs> um, okay, we have one week left before the midterms. Yes. Have you voted? No, Josh and I are going to fill out our ballots together. We're going to, okay. um, and also I wanted to let everyone know that if you have the possibility of, like California is really, it's really easy to vote. They send you a ballot and, you know, and and there's a million places to get like ballot guides. Vote Save America's ballot yep. guide is is really, really good if you live in a place that doesn't have as, as many resources available to you. Um, yeah, so we're going to fill out our ballots together. We're going to drop them off together. And um, I'm, I'm really looking forward to voting for Karen Bass for mayor of L.A. It is closer than it should be. It is ever Aaron, and this is this is the thing. All the polls, I just think they're all lies right now. You can't. Yeah. It's like whatever. We just have to consider everything close, and everyone has to go vote. I mean, I live in New York, and the panic over how close the polls are uh, between Kathy Hochul and malevolent twerp Lee Zeldin. He is a malevolent is, twerp. He's a malevolent twerp. He's like, I, I look at him, and I was like, you literally cannot be the governor of New York. You're like, yeah. I mean, I'm not saying Cuomo is the standard bearer here, yeah. but like, let's New York tough it up a little bit, you twerp. Yeah. Um, but it is, uh, it is real here in New York, and uh, the polls, it's not feeling super, it's not feeling overwhelmingly blue wave up here. So everybody needs to go vote. Mm-hmm. Again, like, polling is so unreliable. Um, and I hate that conversations are so reliant on polling, but also, you know, like how else is this? This information is unknowable information, right? The only thing you can know yourself is, did you vote? Did you text? You know what? If you have your phone right now and you're not driving and it's, it's possible for you, take your phone out and send a, send a message to your group chat, your favorite group chat. Hey, has everyone voted? Does everyone have their ballot? Has everyone voted? What's your plan to vote? And if you go in person, thank your poll workers. It's oh, a yeah. tough, it's tough out there. And I mean, I went in to vote in early in person on Sunday. And smiles, helpfulness, you know, it's just they God bless. Yeah, their poll workers are the greatest. Um, I also wanted to single out two special states. Uh, Wisconsin, you guys. Come on. Listen. Let's go. You have a chance to kick out the dumbest bitch in the Senate. Ron Johnson is the dumbest bitch in the Senate, and he represents you right now. How embarrassing for you. So embarrassing. Get him out of there. Get him out of there. Mandela Barnes would be so much better in every way. Incredible. Than Ron Johnson. Um, Second, Arizona. Oh. Guys. Literally. Come on. 
guys, guys, I know you have it in you. I know you have it in you. You elected Mark Kelly. I know you have it in you. Your state went for Biden. I know you've got it. You just, uh, you have to vote for Katie Hobbs. In the words of Elizabeth Warren, let's fucking go. Yeah. <laughs> um, let's go also, vote. like, God, you guys, like, Carrie Lake would be a step. What was that like? radiologist who appeared to be herself radiated, who was the governor of Arizona for a while. I have no idea. You know, she was like the one that pointed at Barack Obama. She was like, a, oh, oh, she was a bit craggly. What was her name? Yeah, yeah. The radiated radiologist. Um, I don't know, but she like Carrie Lake is as bad, if not worse than she is. Jan Brewer. Oh, yeah. Jan Brewer. Jan, Jan Brewer. Brewer. Jan the ma'am. Um, okay, so yes, uh, if you haven't voted, vote as soon as you can. Um, tell all your friends you got to vote. We have a week left or less than a week left of voting. We're probably not going to know everything that happened for a couple weeks. I hate election night. It's so, we'll spend it. We'll spend it just texting each other. <laughs> we'll spend it texting each Maybe a little bit in the group chat, both of us occasionally. Maybe. Uh, like poking into the Crooked Media live stream and being like, you guys, this is a bad way to construct a narrative about the results of an election when <laughs> Democrats are more likely to vote early. So, yeah. Nobody knows what's going to happen. I'm nervous about it. Everyone should be nervous about it. And then, you know, hopefully we can take a short break in nervousness after more of the returns come in. Okay, let's take a quick break. When we come back, can we ever forgive people for the way they acted during COVID? And should we? As a chef and a restaurant owner, I'm as meticulous about my cookware as I am about my ingredients. That's why I love Made In Cookware. Each pan they make isn't just designed to perform, it's crafted to last. As a mom, I love that I can trust Made In. It's made from the world's finest materials, so I can feel good about what I'm feeding my family. I'm Chef Brooke Williamson, and I use Made In Cookware. This episode is brought to you by IQ Bar. Power up your life with superior brain and body nutrition products from IQ Bar. Their plant protein bars are the perfect low-carb breakfast. Their IQ Mix zero-sugar hydration drinks replenish electrolytes. And their IQ Joe mushroom coffees will keep you focused all day long. Start each day right with IQ Bar's brain and body boosting bars, hydration mixes, and mushroom coffees. Their ultimate sampler pack includes all three. IQ Bar empowers doers with superior brain and body nutrition. All their products are entirely free from gluten, dairy, soy, GMOs, and artificial sweeteners. And today, Hysteria listeners get an exclusive offer of 20% off plus free shipping. Just text HYSTERIA to 64000. One thing I love about IQ Bar is, first of all, right now it's really dry where I am. Oh, okay. It is hard for me to stay hydrated. I, mean, I just like, I, I'll just be going through my day and I'll be like, why am I so like... Parched. I'm parched. I'm in a bad mood. I feel like I'm going to pass out. And it's, ah, you got to drink some water. You got to stay hydrated. I really like their IQ Mix Zero Sugar Hydration Drinks because it allows me to rehydrate myself at a time yeah. when I feel like the atmosphere is trying to take all my moisture away. Well, and sometimes you need more than just water. Sometimes you need more more than just water. I also love IQ bars because I love a portable breakfast. I love a grab-and-go breakfast. No dishes. Love something I can walk around holding and eating. I like something I can eat in my car without endangering the lives of me and every other motorist on the road. A breakfast burrito. 
<laughs> not not the safest thing to eat behind the wheel. IQ bar, go ahead and do it. Good for you. Great ingredients. Helps you stay focused and alert throughout the day. And mm-hmm. um, yeah, and you don't have to dirty any dishes. Refuel smarter with IQ Bar's Ultimate Sampler Pack. That's seven IQ Bars, four IQ Mix sticks, and four IQ Joe sticks. And now our special podcast listeners get 20% off all IQ Bar products plus get free shipping. To get your 20% off, just text Hysteria to 64000. Get your discount. Text Hysteria to 64000. That's H-Y-S-T-E-R-I-A to 64000. Message and data rates may apply. See terms for details. This episode of Hysteria is brought to you by Viore. Need the perfect Mother's or Father's Day gift? Check out Viore Performance Apparel. Drawing inspo from the coastal California lifestyle, Viore's products inspire others to live vibrant, active lives. I love that they're calling this the coastal California lifestyle. I will embrace that instead of what I thought it was, which was the I only want to wear comfortable clothes lifestyle. Yeah. I have to. I refuse to be uncomfortable I ref- if I want to be productive. I refuse <laughs> to be uncomfortable, but sometimes I have to look like I belong in a respectable place lifestyle, which is like yeah. Viore is perfect for it because they the clothes look fantastic. They fit great. They are so comfortable. I lie down in mine all the time. <laughs> <laughs> Especially, Erin, the women's performance joggers. They have a slim but relaxed fit and are designed with dream knit stretch fabric. I love my joggers. I've slept in mine. I've slept in them. Really? You don't get hot? No. They're very, like, on a a couch nap. You know, you have, like, a, oh yeah. you've got, like, maybe a half an hour in the afternoon. You're like, ooh, I've got a, like, small break. I'm very tired. I'm going to just, like, lay down for 20 minutes. Yeah. Perfect. Perfect for couch napping. Joggers. I love the leggings. I can work out in them. I can do my errands in them. I can wear them with a proper top to a business meeting. It is not a problem. Oh, my gosh. Yeah, you probably could. Just put yeah, a, a totally. blazer and like— Denim shirt. Denim, denim shirt, oh, blazer, yeah. leggings. So easy. 100%. And, of course, the men's core shorts. They have a classic athletic fit, falling just above the knee, while the Sunday performance joggers are made from recycled performance stretch fabric. I got my dad some men's core shorts. He wears them to mow the lawn. That's perfect. He is, like, I think my my dad is one of those people that just, like, beats the crap out of his clothes. He'll wear them until they're— they look like a security blanket that a 30-year-old yep. still has where it's just like a ball of string and you're like, um, Our dads are the same. Yeah, yeah. But um, my dad has had his for like a couple years now and I think I, I saw him wearing them the other week when I met up with um, family on a, on a short weekend trip and they still looked great. It was like, Dad, your clothes still look new. <laughs> so fancy. Viore is offering Hysteria listeners 20% off your first purchase. Get some of the most comfy and versatile clothing on the planet at viore.com slash hysteria. That's V-U-O-R-I dot com slash hysteria. You'll also enjoy free shipping on any U.S. orders over $75 and free returns. Go to viore.com slash hysteria and discover the versatility of Viore clothing. And welcome back. I'm here with Alyssa and joined by two more people on today's Hysteria Personal Political Panel. I'm just going to bring them right in. 
Rather than doing some banter, I'm just going to bring them both right in. First off, her podcast, I Love a Lifetime Movie, she hosts with Naomi Ek Paragon, heard of her, is gearing up <laughs> for the holiday movie season. Oh, my God. Yep. Oh, my God. So you're definitely going to want to tune in. Megan Gailey, welcome to Hysteria. Thank you. We actually reviewed our first holiday movie on on Halloween. <laughs> I was oh. like, I, this is, and it, yeah, it was, it was, it was soon, but it, I, now we're ready. All I want for Christmas is, has already blared in my household by my husband. <laughs> oh, really? Is he a Mariah stan or just for that? Just for that Christmas song? Mariah, I mean, is showing me yard inflatables. Which ones are we going to have? The penguin on top of the Santa. The oh, I love the penguin on the I Santa. I know. I know. Well, because he bought a, a terrifying scream man for Halloween. And I did ask to have some input on the holiday decorations. Fair so. enough. Fair enough. Okay. Yeah. You know, even before Halloween in like the week, week and a half before Halloween, when I went into like a store, it was like, they were just jumping at Itching. the bank to get to. Christmas. Oh yeah. Just, oh, like, but they knew they can't do it because Halloween is like the last firewall and the, the people will not have it, but they were like ready to go. Yeah. And I just, I'm kind of like, no, I have a strict no Christmas before Halloween. You Lost. said false start, false start. Yeah, yeah absolutely. And uh, rounding out the panel, next, you might have seen her unanimously pass a sexual assault survivor's resolution at the United Nations last month. Wow, that's kind wow. of a big deal. Uh, she's advocated for by her nonprofit, Rise. She's also casually a Nobel Peace Prize nominee. Amanda Nguyen, welcome to Hysteria. Hello. You look got- so good for having two hours of sleep. Oh, that's so nice of you to say. I have this Ikea lamp that I use as a ring light. That I- Thank oh, you. I shine it down. Mm-hmm. I shine it down on the silver of my, this is so like MacGyvery. I shine it down and it reflects back and it makes mm. me look oh, nice. like I have blood flowing in my face. So that's- <laughs> That's good. Thank yeah, you, you do. You thank do. you so, so much. Um, Amanda, you're the newest member of the Hysteria team. So I want to start with you. You were you also weren't with us during like the height of the COVID pandemic. So I don't really know how you were handling things. But how did you handle the last like few years of COVID? How careful were you? How many how many of the rules did you follow? Yeah, I so first of all, when it started happening, I literally I'm an introvert. So it was, um, it was great. You know, I was inside. (laughs) I did not want to hang out with anyone. And actually, even when things were getting better, I kept being like, oh, you know, well, like maybe not. (laughs) I'm really, um, you know, COVID right now it's a little harder because people are out, but yeah, in the beginning, I really loved it. I actually wore gloves. I bought, um, things to like push doors with. I was, mm. you know, all the way there. Mm. Um, researched like the masks. Do you remember when like the masks were even hard to get? Mm-hmm. Right? Yeah. Like I would make my own masks, you know, it was a whole thing. But um, yeah, the world's changed a lot. And now I feel like obviously I can't use that reasoning anymore. Now I just tell people like, I don't want to hang out with you. But, <laughs> <laughs> How did you view people around you who were like not following the rules? Were you one of those people who was just like horrified by a public sneeze? Yeah, well, yes. So my dad got cancer over COVID. Oh, I'm sorry. And it was to go through chemo, you know, um, he lives in California. So we really understood what being high risk is. And um, 
it was really disheartening to see that some people just really didn't understand the concept of, hey, like looking out for your community members. Um, and it was also like a really fascinating contrast between, so I'm Vietnamese American and the concept of like Eastern community, um, like caring versus like individualistic Western um, community. Um, so yes, I did have feelings about it, but you know, I did not tweet about it. I'll just say that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> So the reason I wanted to talk about this is because there was this really fascinating piece in The Atlantic written by Emily Oster. Uh, Megan, I'm sure you've heard of Emily Oster. Oh, yeah. She's Everyone, our guiding light. Our <laughs> guiding light um, who still sometimes has has some controversial opinions. She's an economist at Brown University. She wrote a book called Expecting Better, and she uses data to analyze and, I guess, give us uh, her assessment of risk uh, when it comes to like public health issues, specifically parenting, pregnancy, childbirth type things. So Expecting Better really helped me relax when I was pregnant. I know a lot of doctors don't love that book because it causes people maybe to relax too much. Um, But during the pandemic, she was very critical. She wasn't like Naomi Wolf critical. She wasn't like off the rails about it, but she was very critical of pandemic restrictions that had to do with like children and masking and, and, uh, and, you know, playgrounds and stuff like that. And now she has this piece in the Atlantic uh, called let's declare a pandemic amnesty. And I saw the conversation around this piece online that was sort of like, yeah, F you Emily Oster, because she was kind of, she was one of those people that was like, let your kids play together on the playground when, um, the kind of prevailing attitude among the people that were kind of more plugged into what was going on, the pandemic, um, was people were very scared and people were trying to be maybe overcautious rather than undercautious. So I don't want to pass judgment on, you know, we, we could talk about Emily Oster for, for hours, but I just wanted to give you guys that background so that you kind of understood that there's a little bit of like built up anger around people who expressed a preference for a more lackadaisical approach to infection control when it came to kids. Um, But at the same time, the piece is really interesting because it talks about how when the pandemic started, none of us knew what was going on. People just were trying to make the best decisions with the information that they had. And as a result, the people that managed their conduct during pandemic in a way that was over or under cautious, given what we know now, we should just be like, you know what, Mulligan, let's move on. <laughs> um, but I don't really see that happening. Megan, I wonder what your thoughts are. Is a pandemic amnesty possible? I think if it pertains just to that, but the people that I saw being super lax or doing even just the hoarding of toilet paper at the beginning ended up being people that I was like, oh, you're a shitty person. Mm -hmm. So it's like that trickles into the other ways that they operate in life. So if you were very staunchly against the vaccine, I'm going to go out on a limb and say, I'm probably not going to agree with some other opinions you have that don't pertain to public health. And literally you can DM me. I do not care. So it was just this thing of like, yes, if, if it was someone and that's just the one thing I, I, I think it also kind of pertains to people that were so intense about it. Mm -hmm. I still see people 
in the grocery store in gloves. I know that they're washing their groceries, even though we have all the science that we do not need to be wiping down our groceries. We are now three years in and you you don't need to scrub the goldfish box. Mm -hmm. And so it's like you probably end up being a bit of a control freak and maybe have fear that comes out of you that's not rational in other aspects of your life as well. So I, I agree with you, Aaron. It's not going to be as easy as cut and dry. Like, listen, we all were doing our best. We didn't know what was going on. But it's like, if you tend to not believe doctors, I bet you don't believe a lot of other things that I tend to believe. Mm-hmm. Alyssa, did you have anybody that your relationship with them or your opinion of them was damaged by the way they acted during the COVID, the height of the COVID pandemic. I don't want to pretend like it's over because it's still ongoing. No, well, I mean, they're all different kinds of people, right? There are the people who posted weird fucking shit on Instagram, like, (laughs) guess we're going to ride it out in St. Bart's. Fuck you. I mean, (laughs) (laughs) that was a real Instagram post. I was like, this is not two weeks worth of, I mean... I mean, I guess they, whatever. They didn't ride it out in St. Bart's for what it's worth. They did. Also, St. Bart's doesn't want you. St. Bart's did not want you. They didn't want any of us. And then there are the people who, you know, I think that for me, the biggest issue is seeing people who were like, whatever, this is fake. I'm not going to wear my mask, blah, blah, blah. To me, that is just an utter lack of empathy, you know? Mm -hmm. I mean, and Mm -hmm. I think that there was something in, Uh, her article that I felt really overlooked, the feelings that we might have about people. You know, I have friends that still very, very religiously wear masks because you know what? If they don't, if it's like, if a certain number of people in their shop get COVID, the shop has to close. And then guess what? They lose money. They might go out of business. It's like, I just think that we really... Uh, underestimate caregivers, frontline workers who had no choice but to go to work. And Mm -hmm. I think that it was just incredibly disrespectful in the beginning. And those people, if you can't look at people who are marching into hospitals to work, to help you, to protect you, to heal you, and think that you can't put a fucking mask on for them. I mean, Mm -hmm. I will never change my opinion of you during that period. Like that's Mm -hmm. just, that's a no, you know, Mm -hmm. that is, that's not about like the medical look especially because like, let's be honest now, putting aside uh, the schools being closed and kids, that's a totally different argument. But like, if we're talking about the world asked you to put a mask on and you couldn't do it, Mm -hmm. what? You're a baby. You're a loser. You're you're a baby. baby. And you can't look and see that all of these people, you know, the the grocery workers, you you have you ha- you have to be free. You have your freedom to go in and cough on them when uh, we're in the middle of a pandemic. Like, no, Jesus, fuck, put a mask yeah. on. Why do you want everyone to look at your mouth anyway? Like, cover up your gross mouths are gross. <laughs> Some of the ugliest people. <laughs> None yeah. of us suffered by not seeing everybody's mouth. Like, yeah, true. yeah, you would totally. you would see the people that didn't want to put a mask on, and you go, "This is your time to shine. <laughs> <laughs> your face is calling out for a mask." <laughs> Um, Amanda, I wonder if you had, um, your opinion of people, of anybody that you know change. Like, did, did you have friendships get damaged, um, by the way that people acted during COVID, especially given the fact that your 
dad was immunocompromised during that time. Yeah, well, something that definitely changed was that I will never believe another zombie apocalypse movie because if (laughs) there is a vaccine in that movie, I now question whether or not people will take that vaccine. I now (laughs) question whether or not people would actually debate whether or not that zombie is really a zombie, right? So, um, yes, sci-fi changed for me forever. Um, Yeah, there was a really scary moment for me. So um, my dad had uh, recovered, um, you know, went through all of his chemo sessions, and then um, it was his birthday, and he decided to go to a restaurant to celebrate, and he got COVID. And he is the highest risk. And not only did he get COVID, my mom got COVID and her sister got COVID. So like there was a month where I thought I was going to lose my entire family. Mm. And during that month when people were saying, oh, well, you know, this is not a big deal. I felt and lived that reality. Um, And I'm not, I mean, there are people who, you know, lost their members, family members and close ones um, to it. But it, it really did change for me at that moment because, one, we know the science. What was really upsetting to me was how people didn't seem to accept science. Mm-hmm. And um, have you seen the movie Don't Look Up? Mm-hmm. No. I, it's like too – I started watching it and I was like too real. So I stopped. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, well, it applies to, I mean, that's about, you know, an asteroid, but it could be applicable to mm-hmm. any kind of like insert science here, right? Um, so yeah, there were people where I was like, you know what, I, I just, I can't be friends with you anymore. Because if I meet with you, and then I'm going to be around like my family, you know, it would literally put my dad's life at risk. Mm-hmm. Are you like, you know, Alyssa mentioned and Megan mentioned that there's like a through line between the way that people behaved during uh, the height of the epidemic um, and like bad personality traits. Would you yeah. hang out with those people now? Like, are you willing to forgive them? Or do you think that it's like, do you think that they're just kind of like, they just showed their ass and so your friendship with them is over? Yeah. Um, I feel like one of the greatest things I have found about um, growing up is that um, I don't need new friends. <laughs> and so <laughs> that's no new Megan friends for me. Ga- that's I'm a so Megan Gailey quote right there. That is fully Megan Gailey quote. <laughs> um, and yeah, I just, if you are going to um, risk my, my health and my parents' health, like literally their lives, then no. And if you knew that risk before and you're still doing that, then no. Um mm. Yeah. That's not to say that I understand why people are evolving, especially as, again, our science is getting better. We do have vaccines, et cetera. And um, this is not only about the pandemic, but just cancel mm-hmm. culture in general. Um, I One of my friends said this quote to me. It really stuck to me. She said, we are a country that demands a lot of apologies, but doesn't know how to accept them. And, you know, I think that if somebody were to come back and say like, hey, you know, after a lot of reflection, I realized that it hurt you and that I was wrong and, you know, et cetera, then like maybe, you know, Mm -hmm. but for those who just didn't have that, uh, no new friends, Mm -hmm. no old friends too. (laughs) (laughs) I think that's totally fair. I 
I, I'm thinking back now to like the very beginning of the pandemic. And when I was like awake last night, sleeplessly, I was kind of reflecting back on those weird first couple months and how surreal and bizarre it was. And I was thinking about how I used to live really close to this big park and there were playgrounds in the park and they put like caution tape around the playgrounds at the beginning and they wouldn't let people go on hiking trails at the beginning. And like, and it almost seemed like the city was just determined to trap people in their homes, even though we didn't really, even after we had pretty compelling evidence that it didn't really spread that easily outside, especially if people were like masked. Um, and I'm still like a little bit, I think that that some of the overcaution in some places led to worse mental health outcomes for people, mm-hmm. especially at the beginning. Um, Megan, you and I were in the same city when this happened. I wonder how you remember that time. And do you still have like a bad taste in your mouth about it or have you moved on? I think I was luckily in a situation where I, and I was reminding myself this constantly of like, I'm in a safe environment. I am with someone I love. I have enough supplies. I, you know, like all the hierarchy of needs were met for me. But the reason I was having to remind myself that is because I was like, I'm losing my fucking mind. So I can't imagine how much people were losing their mind if they had children, if they had immediate people they needed to be caregiving, if they were in in domestic violence situations that they felt trapped in. And I think as time goes on, we will really hopefully realize all of those negative impacts that were had on people. When you talk about depression, I remember there was there was a moment during the pandemic where I was like, well, I'm taking a lot of edibles. And it was like, <laughs> that's, I'm not taking, a, because it, it was that thing of like, every day is a snow day. And so I think a lot of people were self-medicating and we've we've talked about the unhealthiness and the bread and and all of the outlets that we were using to just try and get through and we don't know the long-term effects of what it was to just be in our homes not around people for two plus years yet like our trauma is not even begun to heal because in a lot of ways we're still in it. And there were, there were relationships that changed, not even just based on COVID, but based on like, Hey, I wasn't the best version of myself during these two years willing to admit that. I think you probably fall into that too. Like, can we, can we call a mulligan on just like these two years and go, I'm on a journey to be better and, and move forwards with that. And, and some people, can't do that. And so I would add on to Amanda's friends quotes of like, I don't think we're a country that's very good at apologizing. We really have an insistence to dig our heels in and, and go, nope, I was right. Even when all of the evidence proves that we were wrong. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Um, Alyssa, I wonder if, um, uh you know, evidence proving people wrong, I guess, kind of goes not both ways. I would say it goes 90% the way of people who were not cautious enough and 10% of like kind of roping off playgrounds and like closing schools too zealously. 
Um, I like Megan, I'm so glad that I didn't have a kid in school during uh, during the height of the pandemic. It just seems nuts. But do you think that that local politicians, city politicians, state politicians made decisions so that it would look like they were either doing something or mm-hmm. st- like standing up to the liberals? Like, did you did you see that oh. locally? Oh, yeah. Well, I mean, it's it's so interesting because in the beginning of the pandemic, I didn't. Right. I mean, I was in New York. It was I mean, Elmhurst, uh, Queens was ground zero for what was happening in the beginning. I mean, like we forget that there were hospitals utterly overflowing in New York state. There were wars between counties because they were taking ventilators from all the counties and sending them back down to to New York City. And so I think that in the beginning, it was. Uh, I think pretty genuine. I think everybody was just leading with the best thing they possibly knew. I mean, like, I remember March 13th so clearly because it was the day that both Cuomo and de Blasio gave different guidance. And my husband and I were like, we got to get the fuck out of here. <laughs> this, is, this is not a good having having done crisis management at the White House. I was like, this is a bad sign. <laughs> um, but, you know, fast forward a couple of months. I think that here's I think that in the beginning, everybody who didn't live in New York or California or the heavily affected states were like, it'll just stay in the high population areas. We're going to be fine. Leave us the fuck alone. This is what you get for living in a big city. And and as it crept forward, you know, I think that if if we had had a president who took it seriously, as we all knew he didn't, and now we know he didn't. Um, even when he they, got it and he like- He did it. Even very, when he got it, he sick. was like- I wish you all could have monoclonal antibodies. Um, but I think, you know, if 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 they had just shut the country down in the beginning, we might have had better luck um, and had everybody take the same amount of pain. But no, I think as COVID went on, there were communities that were like, look at us, we're super cautious. And then there were others that were like, cry your liberal tears. We're not wearing masks anymore. When when neither of those things are based on uh, on science and and also the fact that people couldn't deal with the fact that science changed, you know, that the COVID we started out with in the beginning is not sort of what we are dealing with now. And we didn't have vaccines. I mean, like, like we're still getting COVID, but the whole point of the vaccines, which is something I, I cannot listen to when people are like, science is fake. I got my vaccine and I got and COVID, I got COVID. Yeah. and I'm still, I'm never getting another vaccine ever for anything. And it's like, you dumbass, you might have died from COVID and you didn't. You got a cold. That doesn't mean that COVID is a cold. It means you got vaccinated and you got a cold instead of like being hospitalized and intubated. Yeah. You know, something that that I've seen as like a lingering effect of the pandemic is um, the last time I was at an Airbnb. I was at an Airbnb recently and there are all of these things that are like due to COVID, we're doing enhanced like, you know, cleaning. And it's like, you're just using this as an excuse. You should clean char- anyway. <laughs> yeah, you're doing this as an excuse to like charge me more. Yes. And I don't need every surface bleached. And we know that you don't need every surface bleach. In hotels now, they're like, due to COVID, we're not washing the towels every day. It's like, no, you don't want to pay enough people. And to it's do better the for work. the environment. <laughs> yeah. I mean, but also like there are ways to install like a gray water recycling system that you could use for irrigation of the grounds. Like it's really not about the environment. Like it's it's, no, they don't want to pay someone to wash. They don't want to pay someone to bring room service up. They don't want to pay someone to cook room service. And it's like, okay, I didn't know Marriott was so hard up for cash. Yeah. I mean, it just seems like there's some lingering 
the, I'm seeing some like lingering bullshit that I'm like, that is not based on Correct. anything. But yeah. we're a bullshit country. That's like, you know, whenever I watch a pyramid scheme documentary, which are my favorite, I go, oh, we're a pyramid scheme. And so if you're at the bottom of the pyramid scheme, your towels aren't getting washed. Mm-hmm. Wait, can you outline that for us? I'm very curious. <laughs> can you map up what America is to this? Yeah, I'd be happy to. <laughs> Get Megan a whiteboard. Yes. Somebody call Katie Porter and see if she has any extras. Get <laughs> Megan a whiteboard ASAP. Um, Megan, how cautious are you now? Like, I mean, we see in mm-hmm. the news all the time, like, oh, we're still in a pandemic. And then, yeah. then you go outside and it's really, nobody's acting really like we are. Yeah. So I was pregnant at the tail end of it, or, you know, the tail end is going to be the longest tail in the history of tails. And (laughs) so I was pregnant in 2021 and then gave birth in 2022. And my biggest fear was having COVID while I needed to be delivering because Mm -hmm. then it was like, you will have to deliver alone. And it, it just sounded like so terrifying. And so I would say like, the, I definitely didn't want to get COVID when I was pregnant. And so I was, I was cautious then, but I was again, living in Los Angeles where the community at large was sort of doing the quote unquote right thing still. And Mm -hmm. so I was able to make it through and did not have to deliver alone. And then I got COVID. My husband got COVID and our baby got COVID when he was two months old and, and he had symptoms and I had to take him in and he had to have his nose swabbed and we got it, um, from like someone who was coming to visit him that tested and mm-hmm. tested negative. And then once they got there, they, we had, you know, so it was one of those things of like, there's no one to blame. There's no one to be mad at. This wasn't great. But then once my two month old had it, I was like, well, to me, this is worst possible scenario mm-hmm. that I do think it's made me be like, yeah, I'll go to Vegas. Like I'm <laughs> like the, the worst possible thing already happened to me that, and and, and I mean that in terms of low level worse things, like mm-hmm. everyone ended up being totally fine. It was a brutal six to 10 days because we could have no help and our baby was sick and we were sick. And so worst possible, I mean, in terms of Megan being dramatic, don't DM <laughs> me about that. Um, and so now I do think I'm, I'm probably the most lax I've been over the period of it, but I was at something over over the weekend where a bunch of people ended up having symptoms and coming down with it. And I was supposed to go visit a friend's baby yesterday. And so I tested and was negative. I tested this morning and was negative, but I did tell my friend, hey, I have been exposed. And we both decided it's best to just not come see the baby. And so it is. it does still have a presence in my life. Um, and I do have COVID tests at my house. My husband needs to go get tested because he has to be on set for something. Like it, it feels more of a constant and just sort of like, not even an annoyance, but just it is around. It is our, it is our cross to bear and, and we need to be a level of cautious about it going forward. Probably Till the end of time. Yay. <laughs> um, Amanda, are you familiar with the subreddit Herman Cain Award? No. What is that? <laughs> oh, my God. Okay. So I'm just going to give you the, the quick and dirty summary of it because I would love to hear your thoughts on its existence. So Herman Cain Award is a subreddit 
that takes screenshots of people's social media posts uh, and it and it displays them as they progress from being people who are like COVID's a hoax, blah 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 blah, to them dying of COVID. Because Herman oh God, Cain, no! yeah, because Herman Cain, as you can recall, was a, attended a Trump rally in oh, Oklahoma that right. happened during the during the height of the we can just, you know, chaos magic our way out of COVID existing simply by continuing to have rallies. But he got COVID after being at a Trump rally and he died. Um, And so the Herman Cain Award is this sort of dark corner of Reddit where for a while they would, they they have started like blurring out people's names and faces, but for a while they were not. So you would get a sense of these people who are like, fuck this, I'm not going to get COVID. And then they died. So I wonder, yeah, it was like very popular for a while. I wonder what you make of the existence of something like that. When you find out that someone who is like a COVID denier has come down with it really like even in your like ugly corners what what do you think do you do you have any feeling like yeah wow. well what do you think was gonna happen um well thank you for describing it because <laughs> I did have emotions while you were describing what it is first of all facts are facts right so like the fact that this person publicly talked about it and then ended up dying from the thing that they were denying that just exists I would hope that people would um, learn from it, you know, it's like the positive side, but I'm, I'm sensing that it's popular because it's also maybe like a shaming thing, um, where people are using it to shame the other, you know, side or whatever. You know, look, like when it comes to how divisive people can be on this issue, I, I think that so much of it comes from attaching your identity to this idea, right? And so like, once you are defensive, you can't have a conversation anymore. I think those images can be really powerful and be like, hey, like, look, there was something like you. If you approach it with empathy, then like, yeah. But if you're doing it to like shame someone and be like, look, like this person is like you, you're like them, you're going to die too. Like, I don't think that um, might be as helpful as it could be. But it's very effective. I mean, I'm going to go look this up. I'm glad they're blurring out the names though. Yeah, they, for a while, they were not blurring out the names and people were, um, What's it called when you go when you join like an online mob br- brigadeering or whatever? They were they were going to um, the people's Facebook pages and like leaving me wow. comments and oh god, yeah. So it got really ugly. But I also think that the feelings that people had. I'm not defending it again. Yeah, I'm just. I think I'm just trying to understand what would motivate somebody to post a mean thing on someone's Facebook page after they like died of a of a tragic viral disease and i and i think that people who d- took all this energy and made sacrifices for what they thought was the greater good seeing people just decide to sort of be um and i'm going to use this phrase ironically like karmic welfare queens essentially just like leeching off of the sacrifices of everyone else to live as normal a life as possible. Yeah. I think there's something, there's a real resentment that builds up there and it Absolutely. just seems like it can play out ugly. Yeah. I, I just want to chime in too. I had a dad who was also sick and needed a life-saving surgery that he had to continue to have postponed because the hospital where he needed it was so overrun with people that, were not vaccinated and had fallen very ill to COVID. And so I wish no one death. I want everyone, well, 
well, you know, that's, <laughs> I'm giving you all away. <laughs> that's, a, um, that's an asterisk. I want everyone within reason to, to live and, and live well. But when your vitriol and denial and stupidity starts to impede on other people's health and well-being, you got God. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Alyssa, you're you're nodding. I, I would love to hear your thoughts. No, I'm just I just agree. It's like I mean, there are just so many. I I think the thing for me that always that affected me the most was just seeing how many people were giving literally putting their lives on the line for us. Yeah. And you see, I had I had a friend's uh, mom who like hadn't been feeling well and hadn't been feeling well. And and she didn't want to go to the hospital because everyone's like, you know, shouldn't go to the hospital unless you unless it's a real emergency. And she didn't think it was an emergency. And by the time she went to the hospital, she died two days later of stomach cancer. And mm. so like those things are real, you know, that 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 people trying to do it's like she tried to do the right thing. She's like, I don't think this is an emergency. And she didn't go. And so the people who were like, fuck this, you know, like it's my life and I'm going to live it the way I want to without understanding sort of like the bigger impact. I just, you know, I don't wish I don't wish anything bad on anybody. But I think those people who didn't care about the the health and well-being of their community members, I don't know. I just I really hope that they are visited by the ghost of Christmas past, present and future for the rest of their lives. Oh, just I want them to be visited by all Christmas future because that's the scary one. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I wanted to highlight something from Emily Oster's article. um, And uh, she wrote. The people who got it right for whatever reason may want to gloat. Those who got it wrong for whatever reason may feel defensive and retrench into a position that doesn't accord with the facts. All this gloating and defensiveness continues to gobble up a lot of social energy and to drive the culture wars, especially on the Internet. Those discussions are heated, unpleasant, and ultimately unproductive. In the face of so much uncertainty, getting something right had a hefty amount of luck. Um, And then she also wrote, moving on is crucial now because the pandemic created many problems that we still need to solve. And then she highlights student test scores, mental health, um, and, and, you know, other things that we've touched on here. Do you think that moving on requires us to let go of that? Or do you think moving on should incorporate the feelings and the things we learned about each other Um, during the pandemic, do you think we need that information in order to move on in a way that's realistic? Alyssa? Uh, Yeah. Okay. So here's my (laughs) question for everyone here. If you were very cautious during COVID, have you taken a moment to gloat? Like, Mm -mm. I just think that, I think that the gloating is very overblown in her article. And I I think if there's one person who could have taken a fucking lap, it's Dr. Fauci. And he certainly Mm -hmm. hasn't. I mean, Ed, Ed Young got a Pulitzer. So there you go. I mean- This is like, I just don't think that, I think I have moved on. I think that if, I think that it's my choice in the same way that people who didn't want to take precautions during COVID was their choice. Uh, It's my choice to not be friends with people who I think have no empathy. And so I have moved on. But I just think that like saying that any of us who very proud, like very, you know, dedicate we're dedicated in our mask wearing and uh social distancing have have started gloating at any point i haven't seen evidence of that that's just my point right yeah amanda is like i want to stay in my house for longer what can i do which is fine so she's definitely not gloating (laughs) no yeah i feel like that was written with somebody in mind but i do want to actually reference the culture wars part because i feel like 
the industrial revolution of our century is digital. This was like even before, you know, the pandemic happened. But can you imagine going through a pandemic being isolated without social media? Um, what was that like, you know? And I've seen, I'll, I'll just speak for Stop Asian Hate, right? Um, absolutely, because people were home, because people were on social media, we were able to have um, these cultural moments that I don't know, of course they would have existed otherwise, but we're certainly fueled by the fact that people were online. Mm -hmm. Um, and that helped. Mm -hmm. We communicated in a different way. Um, so I know that she's probably talking about like the cultural wars of like mask or no mask or vaccine or no vaccine. But, Mm -hmm. um, yeah, I think there were some, um, different ways in which we learned to communicate that helped progress some of these movements. Mm-hmm. That's a really silver lining way to look at it. Um, mm-hmm. Megan, I'm pathologically you're... optimistic. So <laughs> being an hey, somebody has to be, that's for sure. Um, Megan, do you want to round out this, make any more points before we take a break and come back? I just want to say I've a hundred percent moved on, have not bloated. And I think if you have not moved on, you're not paying attention to the issues that are happening right now. And they are affecting many of us day to day to day to day to day. And mask or not mask is not the impending disaster that Roe v. Wade being overturned and many other issues that really are continuing to cost people's lives and Mm -hmm. and well-beings right now. So Mm -hmm. you got to move on. Yeah, indeed. Uh, Forgive, but don't forget. Let's say that. Um, also, just for what it's worth, I have not had COVID. I'm not gloating. I have no idea why. I have no idea wow. how did this You might happen. be immune. Wow. And we may find out people. some people are just immune. You cannot have my blood. Nobody gets to take my blood out of my- I've seen all these articles that are like, if you haven't gotten COVID, you might be a super dodger and science wants to study. No. A that's super where dodger? I, You're like Mookie Betts. Oh, great reference. No, that's where I draw the line. You're not going to study my blood. Please do not do that. Okay, let's take a quick break. When we come back, Sanity Corner slash I Feel Petty, a.k.a. Sanny Petty. As a chef and a restaurant owner, I'm as meticulous about my cookware as I am about my ingredients. That's why I love Made In Cookware. Each pan they make isn't just designed to perform, it's crafted to last. As a mom, I love that I can trust Made In. It's made from the world's finest materials, so I can feel good about what I'm feeding my family. I'm Chef Brooke Williamson, and I use Made In Cookware. Hey everyone, it's Ted from Consumer Cellular, the guy in the orange sweater, and this is your wake-up call. If you're paying too much for wireless service, you don't have to keep having that nightmare. Consumer Cellular has the same fast, reliable coverage as the leading carriers for up to half the cost. So why keep spending more than you have to? Seriously, wake up and call 1-888-FREEDOM or visit ConsumerCellular.com. Savings based on cost of Consumer Cellular single line 1, 5, and 10 gig data plans with unlimited talk and text compared to lowest cost single line postpaid unlimited talk text and data plans offered by T-Mobile and Verizon January 2024. 
Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. With the Internet's best converting checkout, 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms, Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers. In fact, Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the U.S. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash podcast free. All lowercase, shopify.com slash podcast free, shopify.com slash podcast free. And welcome back. I am here with Alyssa Mastromonaco, Amanda Nguyen, and Megan Gailey. We have almost reached the end of the show. Not quite the end of the show. We have a little housekeeping and then Sandy Petty. Okay. The Crooked Store just launched a bunch of new merch inspired by your favorite Crooked Media podcast, reminding you to unplug, reconnect, and get festive. New items include a log-off ornament, a Nog Save America mug. I'm mad that it took them this long. I know. Felt like low-hanging Christmas merch fruit. <laughs> low-hanging ornaments, if you will. <laughs> <laughs> um, and then there's there's new Hysteria merch, too, so definitely check that out. This holiday season, every order from the Crooked Store will support Vote Save America's Every Last Vote Fund to make sure every voice can be heard in the face of unprecedented voter suppression. Get some gift shopping done at the Crooked store. And while you're there, grab a thing or two for yourself. Head to crooked.com slash store to check out the new arrivals now. Okay. Sanity corner slash I feel petty, aka Sandy Petty. Um, You know what, Amanda, I'm going to have you go first. Are you finding something to keep you sane or are you feeling petty this week? I'm so petty. I'm oh, so mm-hmm. petty today. This is my first petty. And you, let me tell you why. So I travel a lot. I love my home. And um, every single morning this week, I've been woken up at 7 a.m. because of the construction. I am a night owl. Mm-hmm. And um, I know 7 a.m. to people, they're like, what? Like, we already, like, you know, ran, I don't know, a 5K or 10K. But <laughs> for me, I am not up at that time. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, um, the construction has started every day at 7 a.m. Um, and... Yeah, I'm really petty. So today I wrote an email to my leasing office. It was a little petty. But you know what? You know, it's just me. Okay, so. I mean, what are the local, I mean, this is going to sound extremely Karen-ish, but like, are there local ordinance? I remember when, I've lived places where they're not supposed to start before eight. I know, I know. I literally thought that today. I was like, I have written 75 laws. I have gotten the United Nations (laughs) to pass things for the world unanimously. If I can get... (laughs) The United Nations to do this, I can get this construction company to start later. So, yes, I'm feeling very petty. Um, and I literally did think about starting a protest, you know, community organizing my building so that we go and, you know, we change some stuff. But yeah, very petty. It's my first petty. I thought about this today. I have also looked up because my neighbors, old neighbors, were putting in a pool at one point, And I was like, I'm going to murder all of them. Yes. Um, and I looked up what time things were. And it was 7 a.m. And, and then I, I said, you. well, we got to change the law. We got to change the law. That's too early. This yeah. is my next law. Yes. Thank <laughs> the, you. The only thing is, like, during the summer in a in a hot place sometimes like 7 to 9 a.m is like the only time of day when you can do anything that's like manual well then then we gotta factor in global warming because it's like why is it only 
why is it only unbearable to be outside from 7 to 9 a.m.? Because the earth is heating up. Yep. Mm -hmm. They should give you some kind of stipend or at least issue you noise-canceling headphones or Thank you. Caroline put some in the chat, some headphones or some (laughs) earplugs for you. Oh, good, 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 good. Yes, but the earplugs are a problem because what if there's a fire and you don't hear the fire alarm? Sorry to be a downer, but this has crossed my mind before. Sorry, it has. I just needed to say that out loud. Oh, Because I used to sleep with headphones until I thought about that and then I stopped. (laughs) Mm. Yeah, that's... uh, Caroline says you still hear... You'll still hear the alarm. Okay, Caroline. Yeah. <laughs> Thanks for all that we'll consumer take- <laughs> the consumer testing. <laughs> um, okay, uh, let's see. I will go next. I know that spooky season is over for another almost year, which is fine. We took down our, our massive Halloween display in our yard recently, and it was an undertaking. Um, but one thing I feel petty about is when stores were selling Halloween decorations, I saw this recurring thing that just drove me nuts. And that was like skeleton decorations that are made to look like animals, but the animals have ears. The skull, the skeletons have ears that would be cartilage and not would not be <laughs> part of the skeleton. <laughs> like you see a cat skeleton in a store, the cat skeleton doesn't have two little points coming no. up. This cat's got a freaky little, they've got just a freaky little bean head. They don't have the ear. It's not Those part are of the anti-science skeletons. Wow. Yeah. yeah I saw right. a, I saw a dog skeleton <laughs> that had ears and I was like, this is not, not correct. Like if you must sell skeletons that look like the thing that they are, I guess humans and fish are kind of it because anything with like you know, any kind of ear thing. I just, it, it, it takes me out of it. It, it really, it, it really ruins my, when I see one, it, it like makes me mad and I want to leave, turn around and like leave the Michaels or the, you know, wherever I'm, wherever I'm doing my Halloween shopping. So, um, so that's what I feel petty about this week. No cartilage features on skeleton decorations, please. Fake news. Um, if you are interested in that, I highly recommend that you check out what scientists think dinosaurs could possibly look like. Oh, the chicken things? Yes, right? Y'all know this. So obviously we only have bones, right, from these dinosaurs. But people are saying that these dinosaurs could actually look completely different because if you look at the skeletons of, like, actual animals right now and we were to draw them the way that, you know, these (laughs) scientists draw um, the dinosaurs, our like rhinos and chickens would look so wild, like so different. Um, (laughs) it's hilarious. It's hilarious. So if you feel strongly about a cat, I feel like you would look like this. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Oh my gosh. I'm definitely going to look that up. Also like imagine the earth inhabited by like giant killer chickens. There's something so funny about that. So hilarious about that. Um, okay. Um, let's see. Alyssa. Petty or sanity? Petty. Okay. Um, okay. So all of the people who love to, you know, wear their American flags as like a political statement, as if, you know, I'm American. Yay. Okay. Here's my issue. The other day I was driving into town and it was pouring rain. And all these people with their malevolent twerp Lee Zeldin signs and all of their like Trump 2024 signs had the American flag up 
And it was raining. And the thing I think is wild is all of these people who use the flag as the symbol of their patriotism, thereby making them better than everybody else, literally don't know how to treat the flag. The flag doesn't hang on the ground. The flag doesn't, the flag comes down when it's going to rain. And I just think that it is, I mean, if the through line of today's episode is hypocrisy, I just wanted to round it out with how Mm -hmm. people who use the flag as they're like, I love America, make America great. Look at me. Then there's one guy who drives around town that's got a flag on his truck and it's been on there for so long, it's like shredded and shit. I was like, you're not Paul Revere. Like this is not. <laughs> Anyways, that's my, that's my, if you're going to, if you're going to have the flag, treat it right. There Just are saying. rules. There are rules. Just saying. There are rules. And if I know them, they should. <laughs> I don't even care about the rules, but it's like you are so mad about kneeling. That's exactly correct. Probably if your dog shit and you ran out of newspaper, pick it up with the flag and yell <laughs> at Colin Kaepernick. And it's like, okay, whatever, you psycho. Okay, <laughs> was- well, you can you can obviously tell I'm gonna pick petty. Yeah, so four petties. This is yes. a rare four petty week. This is where we come. Um, Okay, so we went to like a fall thing um, or pumpkins and stuff. And and I know the holidays are upon us. And so traffic gets bad. Parking lots get really packed. We were trying to park in a parking spot that was designated for us um, because we had a handicap placard because there was someone in our car who was handicapped. And the person standing in, like they parked in the spot next to us. And then they stood in the parking spot, not to save it, but to just stand there and to futz around with their car and to brought their child around to that side. And I know that there's been data that when you see someone needs the parking space that you are occupying or you are blocking, people tend to go slower. If you are one of those people, I wish bad things for you. That is (laughs) evil that is bad if you see someone needs your parking space or the one next to you and you don't get a little clip in your step fuck you especially if it's a especially if it's a disabled designated parking yeah seriously like, and you know I got out and fought. You know I I said I made my mom get out of the car so I could get out and raised a big old stink and then the woman tried to yell at me and it's like no you're wrong move she tried to There's yell at studies you? on this that people yes. walk slow. Like, what is it like about control? It's like that, you know, when you're like waiting and you see someone put the bag in their car and yeah. then they get in the car and just sit there. And it's like, what do you people wow. psychologically go slower? Wow. And it's like, I am literally like racing. Like, I'm like, oh, wait one second. I'm like shoving Conrad in. I'm like, oh my God, uh, directions. I don't need to know where I'm going. Like, let's all get in. Let's all get out. Let's all get in. Let's all, Trader Joe's directing traffic, like bending over backwards to try and like help accommodate as because I just want everyone to be able to park. Yeah. And the fact that there's people that want to go slow and, and 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 when she brought her daughter around i'm like you want your daughter to get hit like what is happening oh are they wearing gosh. flags in the rain <laughs> in the no. rain no. <laughs> yeah and carrying a cat skeleton with ears on it um <laughs> yeah megan that is how i got a ticket for using my cell phone while driving once because i was in such a hurry to like vacate a spot and, and get out that I, like, didn't have my directions up. So I pulled out of this parking garage downtown, and I was, like, literally, ju- I literally just pulled up, 
And I was just like looking down and making sure that the directions were right. And a cop on a bicycle pulled me over and gave oh, me a ticket. Oh, no. I know. No good deed. Can't win I for know. trying. Good deed. <laughs> I know. I know. But he is a cop on a bicycle. So in a way, his life is is probably Sad. not not the greatest. Um, okay. On that note, that's all the time we have for this last hysteria episode before election day. Uh, I hope everybody's voted. If you haven't voted, make a plan. If you have voted, bug everyone you know about voting. And uh, Alyssa, thank you for being my ride or die. Amanda and Megan, thank you for hanging out. Um, We will be back next week, and I will probably have even less sleep. So Probably. Yep. See see you guys on the other side, and take care and, and save democracy, please. And vote. Hysteria is a Crooked Media production. Caroline Rustin is our senior producer. Our executive producer is me, Aaron Ryan. Alyssa Mastromonaco is our co-producer. And Fiona Pastana is our associate producer. Kyle Seglin and Charlotte Landis are the sound engineers. And our editor is Sarah Gibalaska and the folks at Chapter 4. Thank you to our digital team, Nar Melkonian, Mia Kelman, Milo Kim, and Matt DeGroot. Why are smart businesses graduating to NetSuite by Oracle? Because NetSuite eliminates the expense of multiple business systems by consolidating your operations together into one. NetSuite is the number one cloud financial system, bringing accounting, financial management, inventory, and HR into one platform and one source of truth. NetSuite reduces IT costs because it lives in the cloud with no hardware required, so you can access it from anywhere. You cut the cost and headaches of maintaining multiple systems because you've got one unified business management suite. Bringing all your major business processes into one platform improves efficiency, slashing manual tasks and errors. Over 37,000 companies have already made the move, so do the math. You'll see how you'll profit with NetSuite, too. And now, by popular demand, NetSuite has extended its one-of-a-kind flexible financing program for a few more weeks. Just go to netsuite.com slash podcast25 for more information. That's netsuite.com slash podcast25. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. With the Internet's best converting checkout, 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms, Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers. In fact, Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the U.S. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash podcast free. All lowercase, shopify.com slash podcast free, shopify.com slash podcast free. (laughs) 